When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I think having great role models saying, you know, I want to grow up to be like her, but they need to look like me, right? So that's really important. Great teachers who actually inspire and engage girls and and young people of color. And third is providing these experiences where girls in many ways are attracted to solving problems that have a great effect on themselves, their families, or their communities. And what we've seen is girls just, if they can see something that's tangible, they are just so inspired and excited to go out and solve that problem. And that is something we need to keep encouraging. That's Dr. Maya Ashmira talking about how to get more girls and young people of color into science and tech. And she should know. Dr. Ajmira is president and CEO of the Society for Science, which puts on the big National Science Fair every year. She's also the founder of the nonprofit Global Fund for Children. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Around the world, spring is known as science fair season, and Dr. Ejmira is now gearing up for the International Science and Engineering Fair. The fair will bring together almost 2,000 student finalists from 65 countries. These are the young people who will be designing a better future for all of us. Dr. Ejmira is also an author having written a foreign policy book on vulnerable children titled Invisible Children, Reimagining International Development at the Grassroots. And she's also written children's books. Listen and learn why Dr. Maya Ajmira is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm here today with Maya Ajmira, 
and as you will shortly hear, she is a woman of many accomplishments, president of the Society for Science, founder of the Global Fund for Children, an author of both a foreign policy book and several children's books. And with all of that variety, Maya, I wonder what the common thread is. I'm sure there is a common thread. Well, it's a pleasure to be on 100 Women to Hear today. So thank you so much for having me. So that common thread is young people. At the Society for Science, we are best known um, for our world-class STEM competitions for young people. At the Global Fund for Children, it was about investing in really innovative community-based organizations serving vulnerable children and youth globally. My foreign policy book, it's a book called Invisible Children, Reimagining International Development at the Grassroots. And then, of course, the slew of children's books I've written really is about celebrating diversity, the diversity of children throughout the world and really celebrating their similarities um, in books like it, Children from Australia to Zimbabwe to, to be an artist or to be a kid. Oh, that's really wonderful to hear. And what a wonderful common thread also that children unite all of your work in many ways. Tell us about the Society for Science. What does it do? What is your vision for it? Sure. So the Society for Science, we're celebrating our 100th birthday. Wow. Happy birthday. <laughs> we were founded by um, E.W. Scripps, the publishing magnet, and W.E. Ritter um, 100 years ago. And they founded the organization because they were very concerned about what they were reading in newspapers. They were reading about three-legged Martians. And they said, you know, we need to create a new cadre of science journalists that are going to report on accurate, fact-based science. And so we, they founded Science News. And so Science News is a magazine that's been around for 100 years, and we're one of the few newsrooms left with science beat journalists in our newsroom. And they're mostly women. It's a women-led newsroom with women PhDs um, who are, are beat journalists writing about all the different discoveries happening in science, um, including the major COVID pandemic. And then the second thing we're best known for are world-class science competitions. You know, in our day and age, it was called Westinghouse Science Talent Search. Mm -hmm. It's now called the Regeneron Science Talent Search. So we're celebrating our 80th anniversary of that. Um, and then um, we have the International Science and Engineering Fair and uh, the Premier Middle School STEM competition, Broadcom Masters. And last but not least, um, what's important to me is to make sure that every young person, girl, her kid, ch child of color, a child living in a rural part of this country can become a scientist or engineer if that's what they want to do when they grow up. So we have a suite of outreach and equity programs to get kids inspired um, and excited about uh, STEM. And that's so important because when we shortchange them, we certainly shortchange their potential, but we also shortchange society. Uh, and if we've learned anything these days, as you said, science has made such a difference um, as we're struggling to get through this pandemic. And then there's so much else in terms of the burgeoning field and what it's doing to uh, change our lives for the better. Uh, as you said, one of the marquee programs uh, for 
the society is Regeneron uh, International Science and Engineering Fair. Uh, and that's going to start, this year's event will start very shortly, I think. So tell us about it. How many entrants do you get? What do the winners win besides incredible recognition, I'm sure? And what sort of projects are you seeing from the students? These are all great questions, Glenn. Um, so the International Science and Engineering Fair, we founded this in 1950. It's the largest pre-collegiate STEM competition in the world. Um, this year, it's going virtual, um, and it's going to be our largest fair ever. We um, are going to have over 1,500 projects with nearly 2,000 finalists from 65 countries, regions, and territories, and 49 states. Um, they come from over 400 affiliated science fairs around the world. 300 of those science fairs are in the United States in rural and urban areas in this country. And what we're really uh, excited about is they're going to be competing for more than $5 million in awards uh, provided by Regeneron and other sponsors, including the top prize being $75,000. Um, these kids are doing some of the most extraordinary STEM research projects. Um, some liken it to graduate school and postdoctoral work projects. And, and, it, and, it, and it's across a really diverse range of subjects from animal sciences to biomedical and health sciences to robotics and artificial intelligence to bioinformatics, biomedical engineering. Many projects focused on COVID-19 because students are feeling an urgency to make a difference now. And lastly, I will say, is that we take great pride in the fact that half of our finalists are young women. And that is really great for the future of STEM. Um, so I'd really encourage your listeners uh, to stop on by. Um, it's from May 16th through the 21st. And um, the finalists will be displaying their research projects to the public on May 18th. So you'll be able to chat with the students during that time. And how does one stop on by? Well, um, there's a registration um, form that I can actually let you know, Melin, and, and they can register. Um, or they can go to our website at www.societyforscience.org. And right on the front is the registration key, and it's really easy. Terrific. And just your description of the large number of entrants uh, and the nature of their projects is so exciting. And I think bodes extraordinarily well for our future to know that so much talent is, is being nurtured through this process. And I understand you actually are an alumna yourself. What was your project? Well, I was a science fair junkie growing up. I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, Milan, and my father, a physicist, my mother, an entrepreneur. So I started doing, I started tinkering and doing science projects since I was a kid. But my project, um, I was very fortunate to do a, a science project, a research project at Duke University when I was a senior in high school, a junior and senior. And the name of that project uh, was at that time, isolation and characterization of a tetracycline-resistant plasmid of an animal isolate Streptococcus faecalis, SF2. 
Clearly, you were on your way in science. Right, right. Well, this was about antibiotic resistance at the time um, <laughs> in, in the late 80s. So, um, but it really served me well. I, I want to also just say that, Melen, you're, you know, you, you're, background of, at being at the State Department and, and being such a global thinker, I want to just say something about ISAF right now, about the International Science and Engineering Fair, is that these kids from 64 countries, regions, and territories, is that if you brought those kids together virtually or in person, it's, all, it's a kumbaya moment. And science is such a strong force for diplomacy, frankly. And we're really excited that we're able to do this during a time of such global crisis, but giving such hope to young people in Zimbabwe and South Africa, Nigeria and India and Indonesia and rural Mississippi to rural Idaho. Um, it makes my heart swell. <laughs> well, and, and just thinking about how it inspired you and put you on this trajectory um, you know, I've seen firsthand what it does for kids in the United States, as well as so many talented uh, children from overseas. When I was at the State Department, uh, we did embark on several new programs, and one uh, had to do with tech women and tech girls. And, you know, I used to hear from the girls uh, years later how it had changed their lives. Uh, and that just happens with anybody to whom we can provide these experiences, no matter what the platform. So uh, just seeing how it's impacted you is really exciting to hear. But let's go back a little bit. Was it the, the fair that your participation in the science fair that really embarked you in this field of science and children's empowerment? Well, I would say it's a combination of things, right? Um, the child of Indian immigrants, I again, brought up in Eastern North Carolina, my father, a physicist. I also had a chance to travel back and forth to India to visit my extended family. Um, I think it was a combination of things that led me towards a road of really investing in the next generation. Um, and I think that the, the, the stream here is about talent. Right, it's about finding that children and and young people that opportunity is every you know that 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 every kid is so bright, and we need to provide opportunities to every single one of them. And so, um, I would say that it's been sort of a zigzag as to where I am today, um, but I would say that it, it's a combination of. My parents, you know, having some incredible school teachers um, and also this idea of being a global citizen and having the privilege of being able to travel overseas. Yeah, and it's that combination so often that really does um, make such a difference. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I know that you uh, recently authored a paper for the Society uh, urging the Biden administration to improve the diversity in STEM education. Uh, what are some of the ways that government can do that, that leaders can inspire that? And why do you think it's particularly important for women? Because we have all been working so hard to ensure that more girls get into STEM. Uh, what difference does it make? So I would say one of the things that that for us and I would say to we said to the administration was that you have to invest in the pipeline of talent and that investment in pipeline does not start at college. It doesn't start in high school. It should be starting in elementary school and middle school. So at the society, we really work, we start at the middle school because this is where girls and kids of color actually drop off. This is where they're really excited and boom, they drop. And if you, and what we've done over the last 20 years is really capture the middle school talent pipeline and started really um, uh, tracking them. As to how they're moving, if we can capture their excitement and keep providing really extraordinary um, investment, then I think we're going to be okay. I think the federal government can do more in that investing, right? They need to really look at out-of-school programs. They need to invest in our teachers. They need to invest in great content. They need to invest... Um, in making sure students have opportunities to do experiential learning, um, that you don't learn science in a book, you learn science by doing. And um, that actual policy paper we ended up writing has taken um, some real energy from different uh, departments it uh, agencies in the federal government where we're starting to have discussions, which has been very exciting. 
Oh, that's great news. You know, you you talked about middle school, and I have heard so often that, uh, particularly talking about advancing girls uh, in STEM, that they have this great enthusiasm, love doing the math problems or engaging in science projects, and then, as you said, something stops that interest. Is there a stimulus, an incentive that needs to be injected at that point? What can be done, um, as you were just talking about all of this, uh, that would really make a difference so that they are encouraged to go on? So I think having great role models saying, you know, I want to grow up to be like her, but they need to look like me, right? So that's really important. Great teachers who actually inspire and engage girls and, and young people of color. Um, and third is providing these experiences where girls in many ways are attracted to solving problems that have a great effect on themselves, their families, or their communities. And what we've seen is girls just, if they can see something that that's tangible, they are just so inspired and excited to go out and solve that problem. And that is something we need to keep encouraging, I think. Um, it's getting better. The numbers are getting better, but we have to keep pushing. Um, and middle school is really that place where it drops. And I think these sorts of programs out there that help girls stay in, but also the mentorship and the role models are absolutely key. Yeah. In so many fields, but especially in this one. Uh, let's pivot for a second, because you're also the founder of the Global Fund for Children. And I wonder what inspired you to take that on. You know, when I was on my way to get my MD, PhD, I graduated from Bryn Mawr College with a degree in neuroscience. I was going to make my parents really happy and proud. And I got a fellowship that allowed me to travel for a year. And I had wonderful professors who said, Maya, if you really want to understand people in their communities, get a backpack and start traveling for a year. And I, I traveled from Thailand to Pakistan for a year. And it was there that I started seeing homegrown innovations taking place in people's own backyards. And there was one place um, that I say I had my moment of obligation. Um, Melanie, you've probably been on a train platform in India where it's a pretty train platforms in India are pretty chaotic places. But in Bhubaneswar, India, on a train platform on a very hot, dusty day, I got off on a train platform and I saw 50 kids sitting in a circle learning how to read and write. And a teacher in the middle was teaching them with flashcards. And I asked her, I spoke Hindi. She spoke the native language of Oriya, but we were able to communicate. And she said, these children live on and around the train platform. They work, they play, they beg, they sleep, but they don't go to school. And I asked her, and I was only 22 years old, I said, what does it cost to run one of these schools? And at that time, it cost about $400 a year to run this school with two teachers, a hot meal every day for one year. And it was there that I thought, well, how do I help? And how come I don't see more train platform schools all over India? And it was there that I decided that I was going to put off my MD, PhD, go get my public policy degree, take international development courses, education courses, economics courses, 
and really think about building a model of how you get small amounts of capital into really innovative grassroots organizations that are undervalued and undercapitalized. And um, that was in 1993. And I led the organization for 18 years. And today, the organization's invested over $50 million in over 800 innovative NGOs throughout the world. And many are, are, have scaled and are sustainable and have touched the lives of over 11 million children. You know, I'm sure your parents are probably even more happy and proud uh, that you're doing all the things we've been discussing. And I remember reading about uh, one of the great uh, Indian social entrepreneurs. Her name is not a household name, obviously, uh, but she was committed to running one of these schools on a train platform. And just the notion of that happening in this very busy place, as you described it, uh, but the kids were getting an education as a result of her vision and commitment. So it does make an incredible difference. You've referenced India both in your travels and in terms of your family background. Uh, and I imagine uh, from what you said uh, about this experience uh, that a GFC uh, has gone to focus uh, on India in many ways. Uh, and I'm wondering what you're feeling now with the catastrophe, really, that's unfolding. I've been hearing from friends and contacts in India, and it is just devastating. And how do you envision, and perhaps you can also tell us, what the Global Fund for Children is doing there? And then how do you see the legacy that it represents that you have been a part of for? all of those years, playing a role in addressing what's happening today? So first of all, um, the COVID crisis in India is absolutely devastating. It touches very close to home for us. My extended family has been affected. Many are struggling with COVID as we speak. So the Global Fund for Children um, is really investing in, local, in their local partners on the ground, full stop. We really believe that local partners are really the frontline workers that can really find the most vulnerable in the communities that need support and help. And that's where GFC's focus has been. Um, it's nearly given over $800,000 to local groups throughout the world on COVID relief efforts. And now they're really working with several NGOs in India that are are really on the front lines. And what, what grassroots organizations are able to do, Melinda, is able to really pivot. So if there's a crisis, they can pivot and, and really meet the needs of the community in a way that's very different um, for a larger scale organization or government to do so. So um, I'm really proud of the work that Global Fund for Children is do doing during this time. Um, and it need, and it's trying to do a lot more. You know, one of the things I like to say is being the founder for 18 years, and now I've been away from Global Fund for Children, I, I serve as an advisor to the CEO, but I revel in the fact that I say, wow, I was only 23 years old with that vision. And this institution now lives 
beyond me and is led by an extraordinary CEO um, by John Hecklinger and their and the extraordinary team and how they go out and source these extraordinary organizations led by very courageous leaders, Melinda. And right now, in many countries, these leaders are really courageous, courageous human beings because it's very difficult to be operating in some of these countries right now. Um, it's not simple. And so I think Global Fund for Children is playing a very, very important role. They are courageous and they are on the front lines. And uh, that's one of the things about the Global Fund for Children, uh, that you're investing in organizations. They're on the ground who have been doing heavy lifting in other ways, but as you said, can pivot. If uh, listeners want to support the work of a GFC, should they just go on the website? Yes, it's www.globalfundforchildren.org. Terrific. And before uh, we have to part company, and I've enjoyed this so much, I wonder what gives you hope. We've been talking about challenging times, but we've also been talking about um, what you've seen in terms of young people making progress, um, the different science has been making, uh, and so on. So what gives you, uh, who've been a visionary in so many ways and created so many opportunities for others, uh, what gives you hope in these times? The ingenuity of young people, Len, I am really convinced of that. Um, young people are just driving innovation at lightning speed right now. And we need to be able to provide as many resources as possible to the young inventors, the young researchers out there. But I also want to say to the young social entrepreneurs who are starting new social innovations throughout the world, we just need to back them. And the capital is there. Um, the, the resources are there. It's really being able to, to, to create those pipelines and really giving the space for young people to dream and to dream big. Um, and I find that to be my role now. <laughs> well, it's an absolutely critical role. You do it so well. Maya Ejmira, you are truly uh, a woman of many accomplishments, but you're also a great inspiration in the process. Uh, so thank you for telling us your story, uh, but your story is one that uh, impacts so many today. Uh, we thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for what you'll continue to do. Thank you, Maya Ejmira. Melen, thank you so much. It's an honor. What an inspiration to young people to dream big. Here are three things I took away from that conversation. First, as Dr. Ejimira says, we need to make sure that every young person, especially children of color, has the opportunity to become a scientist if they want to. If we shortchange these children, we ultimately deprive ourselves of a better tomorrow. Second, if we want to fill the pipeline with women scientists and scientists of color, STEM education has to start early, ideally in elementary school. Adding teachers and programs in the youngest grades can keep underserved children encouraged and enthused when they're at their most impressionable. Finally, 
remember the incredible power of role models. If young women can see scientists who look like them and come from similar backgrounds, they'll know that their own dreams can become realities. As we've said before, if she can't see it, she can't be it. Tune in next Tuesday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.